I don't ever see myself stopping. I don't ever see myself necessarily completely retiring. Like, because this is what fuels me every single day. This is life, right? Like, I like to get up and work on this stuff every single day. And no, and by the way, nobody loves their job every single day. Like, I I have friends that are NFL players that um, hate their jobs. Like, they hate their jobs, right? Like, that's the ultimate goal. But they've been doing it for 15 years. They don't want to do it anymore. Like, professional athletes. So, like, nobody loves their job every single day. But we have to find passion and value in what we're doing on a daily basis. And I think if you do that, like there is no expiration date on it. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today I get to interview Ralph DeBugnera, a man who is in 13 different states, who does over a billion dollars in volume, who authored The Wealth Trap, which is a Wall Street bestseller. We have so much to talk about today. I'm so excited to get into the premise of the book and a lot of the different things that are going to help you as on your journey to growth. We were talking about growth as a function of age. One of my favorite things to talk about is the adolescent phase of business, which a lot of people, it's an ugly phase. They don't get through it. Bad things happen, but Ralph, today we're going to be talking about that. So, Ralph, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Take us into it, man. Like, what were the things in your trajectory of growth where you hit maybe some speed bumps that we could talk about? Thanks for having me. First of all, you're awesome. I appreciate it. And, um, I, you know, I think uh, the biggest thing getting, you know, I'm in the business, I'm in mortgages and real estate for 20 years. I bought my first property at 23. And I think my biggest problem on the way up is that I didn't ask enough questions. Um, I thought, you know, it was, I got into a very easy market, right? I got to walk it in like the early 2000s where, you know, values were appreciating very, very quickly. And it was, it was hard to make too many bad mistakes. So I just wasn't paying attention and I just had the wrong strategy at the wrong time. And um, it caused me to lose everything in 2007 and 2008, like a lot of people, but that ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me in retrospect, like a lot of bad things that happened to us ended up being good things. But I think the biggest thing is, is that I was too much of a know-it-all that didn't really ask enough questions to the people who had substance in the business. And if I could go back and tell myself anything, it would probably be that, right? Ask people who are actually doing it on a daily basis or have done it more questions on, you know, what your strategy should look like long-term. So let's talk about the fact that you didn't ask the questions. What pain did that cause you? Uh, just being, you know, being in the wrong, the wrong strategy at the wrong time, like, like I said previously, but like, basically what I was doing is that I started off in, in, in real estate by buying in New York and I'm in New York and, uh, I grew up in New York. I'm in New Jersey right now, but I, I started off by buying like smaller multifamily properties, which is a really, really good foundation to, to building a real estate portfolio. But as the market jumped, um, I sold them and I started investing in, in very, very hot markets like Florida being one of them. And at the time, um, you could buy properties really pre-construction and flip them before they were even finished. So I was like, oh, this is great. This is quick money. But it was, a, it, one, it was an unproven strategy. Two, I didn't have anybody around me who was really doing it um, that had done it for long periods of time. And three, and probably most importantly, is I didn't have any exit strategies. If the market, if, if what happened in the market happened, and now I don't think anybody had a complete exit strategy for a market crash, but I could have been much more prepared than I was. And I think what I look at now when I go into any kind of investment, especially real estate, is that what's my exit strategy in worst case scenario um, to get out of it so I can minimize the damage. And I, I had nothing like that at the time. So I was just kind of flying by the seat of my pants. And I see this because I'm like in investor groups, accredited investor groups, et cetera, where people were like, everything about large multifamily was perfect and amazing. And now all of a sudden, the last six months, the posts are like, hey, I might go bankrupt, so on and so forth. 
like, did you kind of see that coming as well? Like, I mean, how are you gauging risk in these types of bigger investments? That's a good question. Like, I, I think when I gauge risk, I, I try to gauge it based off of, um, I look at what, what, um, what time I can dedicate to the task. Uh, you know, if something's going to be too daunting of a task and I have to bring somebody else to help me. So like, and the reason that that, you, that comes to mind is you said, you know, large multifamily, right? I've never done anything over four or five units because I don't think I can manage it. I don't have the time or the the, the wherewithal to manage it. And the, pro, the problems that come into with those types of buildings, especially where I live in New York and New Jersey, um, we have very strong tenant laws. So if somebody stops paying rent, it's very hard for me to get them out. In a, in a small property... I can withstand the hit and it's, I, I know how to get them out. If I get into a property where I have 20, 30, 40 units, it becomes difficult. And, and I just don't have the resources or the wherewithal to kind of manage it. So I, I stay away from things that I, I think that um, I know are going to be very, very difficult for me because I, I can't put the, the, the proper time or passion into them. Now, obviously, you built a team because you're doing over a billion dollars in sales. And so the, the idea of building a team is, of course, you're outsourcing, delegating, et cetera. But you, in investing, it seems like the mindset is I only want to buy things that at the end of the day, I can take care of worst case scenario. Is that fair to say? Yeah. You know, so I, I've always uh, kind of built things based off my own money and the, the real estate's always been, oh, this is my retirement plan or this is the stuff I'm going to do ultimately when the mortgages, when I don't want to do mortgages anymore, or I'm out of this business. So I, I think you're right. Like that's a, you recognize that is good. Like I've always built things based off of can I manage this? Now, I still outsource stuff when it comes to my real estate because I have no choice, but we self-manage a lot um, because ultimately I'm trying to scale something that I can manage for the rest of my life and not just something I'm managing for now. Yeah. You obviously have a high level of energy. Talk to me about <laughs> energy itself. Like, is this something that you've optimized over time? I mean, were you born at this level of frequency? Um, I, I can't sit still. So I definitely, you know, so that's part of it. Right. So I think with me, I've, I have, I've had to learn how to harness it in the right places. And I was literally just having a conversation with my sales staff in this office about, I consistently have the same routine for like the first four or five hours of my day, every single day, or I don't think I would be able to manage what I have to manage on a daily basis. Uh, and, and that includes, um, you know, like every, like a lot of other people, like a morning routine an exercise routine, but you know, more importantly, my to-do list my morning routine as far as the calls I have to make, the things I have to get through to make sure that I'm functional. And it can be consistently boring, but I, I found that, that keeping things consistently boring and even having consistently boring people around me that, that I can rely on that are going to doing the same things every single day has really helped me, you know, put my energy in the right places. So I, I really have learned how to like task stack a lot of things where I can do a lot of things in the same day and manage a lot of different things in the same day, but because I, I keep, I keep things boring as I possibly can in most situations. So let's talk about the morning routine. You've got guys that are like, okay, I, I work out, I meditate, I affirm, I do all of these things. And then you got guys like Alex Ramosi is like, I just wake up early and go straight to work. Kind of give us a breakdown of what your routine looks like. Yeah. So I, I'm, I've always been an early person. It's just how my body functions. I'm not a late person. I'm an early person. So it's everybody's different. Right. But I, I, I've always been kind of an early riser. So I'm up between like four 30 and four 45. Um, I get up, uh, cold shower. I turn on an audio book. I don't touch my email for like the first hour of the day because I try to get through, um, just like kind of get myself like like stable and centered. And I, so I, I go right to exercising. So I'm I'm exercising within like I would say thirty minutes of waking up. Um, after I get back from that, I go through my to do list for the day, and then I'm usually at my desk 
by between 7.45 and 8 o'clock at the latest. And, and like between 8 and I would say 9.30, my phone's still very, very quiet. The world doesn't really start functioning until like 9.30 or 10 o'clock. So in my world, um, so be, between the, like in that 90 minutes, I'll get through all the things I like I have to do for the day, my to-dos. Like these bills have to be paid. These scripts have to be sent out. Um, I have to send these emails out to set the tone for other people. Like So I do all that stuff in the first 90 minutes of the day. So the time I get to like, 10 o'clock is usually my first meeting of the day. So by the time I get to that first meeting of the day, whether it's on Zoom or it's in person or wherever it's going to be, I'm, first of all, I have a ton of energy because I've been up for five hours and I'm, I've been moving the whole time. So I have a lot of momentum going into that first, first part of the day. But I'm also, I got rid of all the stress. Um, I, you know, I, see, I think I never looked at it as an anxiety or stress, but I, I do now when I look back on it, like I don't have a lot of that in the morning because I know every single day is the same. Like I keep every single day the same up for the first four or five hours. And that really helps me kind of stay consistently um, like building and growing uh, because I, it's just, I don't have to think about it. So talk to me about like your, since your day has been the same in the morning since the beginning of, of the business, it sounds like where in the day is your prospecting or your business growth time? And what does it look like? So, so I like between 12 and three every single day. And that's what I usually set up for anything for me that's going to be business development. And I get cool. I'm on a lot of calls at this point now that aren't necessarily business development. They're really functioning of the business, but between 12 and three are always my functional um, networking or business development hours. And, that, and whether that's in person or whether that's um, on a zoom call or whatever it is, you know, I have two kids that are young and nine and seven. So I really want to be, uh, I tell people all the time, if you need to get me, get me for breakfast or lunch, right? Dinner is going to be hard for me. So like, Breakfast and lunch are going to be my, my power hours because I really want to be out of the office by 5.30, 5.45 at the latest. I want to be at my house by 6 for whatever they got to do. So um, between 12 and 3 is when I try to really center my business development stuff. And then by 3, 3.30, I want to be back in the office and closing out what I got to close out for the day and setting myself up for the next day. And so essentially with three hours of business development, that was essentially plenty to be able to grow your business to a point where you obviously were then able to grow a staff and then now get to over a billion dollars in sales. Yeah. And I have, I, I have like a lot of activators around me. So um, I delegate where I need to delegate to, to continue to kind of activate business, but th that's the best thing I've learned. Like I can be a good idea person, but if that idea is not being given to, to somebody to activate, if I can't activate it, then, then it doesn't work. So some of that 12 to three is me having calls with the people who were activators for me. And it's like, all right, what are we working on today? How are we activating these ideas? How are we activating these processes to kind of get out and build a business? But yeah, and, and listen, that business development could be, you know, a, just a call at my staff, like, hey, what are we working on this week? What are you guys working on this week? What events are we setting up in the future? Um, I've learned to use stuff like Meetup very well. Like Meetup's a really, really good uh, platform to kind of plan out events. And, and I'll have one or two things a week. I'll have something almost once a week on Meetup at this point where it's either a Zoom call online or in person where I'm trying to business develop. Where I'm, I'm A lot of times I'm trying to bring people to me to make it easier on my schedule, but I'm constantly using that to organize myself. If I put something on the calendar, even if it's two weeks from now, I know how to build into it and, and, and get people kind of there. But that stuff's been a really big tool for me as far as networking and business development. And you're in the mortgage space. So your currency is probably agents or what's the, the main way you're going about getting business? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like either um, agents, um, uh, referral sources, accounts, financial planning, stuff like that. But more importantly, uh, I, especially in a market like we're in today, right? We're in a high inflationary, scary, high price, high insurance market where everybody's kind of fearful. They don't know what to do. Whoever I'm trying to bring in, I'm trying to, I try to lead through education. 
So whether I'm educating people on how to buy their first house, their first investment property, their first Airbnb property, how to scale a real estate portfolio, um, how to scale their business as a salesperson, whether it's a realtor or whoever it is, I'm, I try to lead through everything I'm doing through education based off of experience. So a lot of the stuff I'm doing, whether I'm, re- um, I'm trying to educate buyers, um, sellers, or uh, industry professionals, it's kind of I try to lead through education on that. So let's, let's tie it to the book here. So the growth trap. So like if, if someone comes in, they put three hours in, in business development, they're, they're leading through education, their business is going to grow um, immensely. And so give us kind of the, the stages here of, of growth that create problems for people. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, the kind, the kind of concept of the growth trap is that we grow automatically for a, a large portion of our life, especially our young life, right? That we kind of just, we, we pick up things very easily without, um, facing obstacles that necessarily stop us, especially when we're young in high school years and adolescent years. And then we get to a point, we get into the professional world where growth isn't easy. Um, there's a ton of obstacles in the way and a lot of us get stopped by them. We don't know what to do. Um, so I try to, I'm, I'm constantly in that, right? And I can, I, I can look at that growth trap to something like it's going on this year, right? I've been through market crashes. I've been through down markets, but I've never been through a market yet where it was high prices, high interest rates, high inflation, high consumer cost, high consumer debt. Like it's a lot of things happening at once. So if I'm just using all my old tactics to get through this, they're not going to all work, right? So that becomes a trap, right? Like I'm banging my head against the wall because the stuff that I used in 2010 and 2011 doesn't work in 2023. So then then what, what am I doing? So then I have to go back to like, all right, well, every single time I've been trapped where I wasn't growing, I had to figure out things to kind of change the plan. And that's what I've really done this year. Like um, I have to change how I'm looking at things. And that's talking to people in the industry constantly every single day. Hey, what are you seeing? Where are you having success? Where are your frustrations? So I can relate to it. So, you know, that's me asking a lot of questions, me, me looking for education myself, me reading a lot. I, I read every single day on the real estate market. I have um, on my phone, I have Apple News set up and I have Flipboard set up, which is basically choose news apps. And then I have like three different, uh, emails I get every single day that are, are industry-related news. I get Morning Brew every single day, which is a really good one. I get Mortgage Nuggets, which is a really good one. Um, and I just read kind of what's going on. And it really helps me relate to people. And then on top of it, it kind of helps me see the, you know, the forest through the trees a lot of times, right? Like where it's like, um, all right, this is really what's going on. This is kind of where we're going. But I'm constantly trying to feed my brain to make sure that I'm not staying stagnant, stuck in my, my head where like, well, this worked. Why isn't this working anymore? Well, it's not working anymore because you're in a completely different market. So you got to change. You got to kind of change your perspective. So that, that's what I'm doing right now in present day to kind of avoid any any growth traps right now. And I'm still get stuck all the time, but it's constant kind of it's constant movement on it. Yeah, I love how you talk about solving. Basically, we're solving uh, new problems with old techniques, which obviously is not working. So it's the education piece that gives you new perspective to tackle these yeah. new problems. So so basically. Obviously, the education is going to help you solve new problems. But like, what about someone who's truly stuck? Like, is there any mindset things you're doing as well as the education? Yeah, specifically when I'm stuck. Like, even on a daily, like even coming in today, right? Like today, it's very hot here today. I went out for a run this morning. I was exhausted. I wasn't expecting it to be like that. Like, I didn't sleep great last night because I went to Italy last week and I'm dealing with jet lag. Like, so like like I got in this morning and I was exhausted. And whenever I feel like that. Um, I try to create momentum. So I think the best thing I can do to set anybody that's stuck is how, do, how can you create momentum during the day? And a lot of times momentum for me is just picking up the phone. Hey, let me call a couple of people that I haven't spoken to or doing stuff that like I can have a, a conversation. And that's what I did at nine o'clock today. I got on the phone with a, 
um, somebody who I've done some business with before, who somebody I respect in the business, just to talk about the business, right? And it, it almost it created some momentum to me to go next. So like, if I'm somebody who's stuck, especially if I'm, I'm a real estate professional or a mortgage, whatever it is, like, is there anything I can get on the phone today uh, that's networking related? Is there anything going on tonight? Is there anything going on during the day where I can educate myself that I can talk to somebody? It's almost like a therapy session, right? Like, what are you seeing? How can you create the momentum? But the worst possible thing you could do is just sit there and stare at your computer or read negative things or scroll through your social media and pick up some kind of negativity that's going there. Like, how can I do something today to, to create positive movement? And that could be one step forward. I may take three steps back before I get to that one step forward, but like, how do I create one step forward today? So I'm always trying to create momentum, especially when I'm not feeling like doing it in that moment. Like, how do I create momentum? Um, I got some crappy stuff that's going on today that I don't feel like dealing with, but let me just get through it. And then like, uh, at the same time, let me create some kind of momentum to, to create some positivity in my day. So it gives me the juice to keep going. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. So I just got back from Alaska with a bunch of guys who are pursuing a $10 million net worth. And one of the questions that kept coming up is when is enough enough? Does that question even enter your mind? And if it does, how do you deal with that question? I mean, you got a $40 million real estate portfolio. You guys are doing a billion dollars of sales a year. Yeah. So I, it's, it's twofold that question. I think enough is never enough, but money's not going to make you happy. So I think it's, it's twofold, right? So I, th I think for me, it's become, um, you know, at first my goals were always financial, not always, but a lot of my goals were financial once I got into the business world. Like, oh, I know if I get to this point, then, then that's where I need to be. And then I get to that point, I'd be like, well, this doesn't feel that much different. You know what I mean? So like money and financial security are going to create, are going to make life easier, but it's not going to necessarily make you happy or fulfilled. So now like um, I try to find like things that create value for me and that, that may not be financially, right? Like that may be something that just creates more value for me, whereas it's a valuable relationship because I sat and talked with this person, this new person for 45 minutes and we really kind of related on a lot of things. So I, I don't feel like enough. I'm still in the stage where enough doesn't, I'm going to be 45 this year, but enough doesn't ever feel like enough. Like I still feel like every single day, like I'm trying to improve um, and build. I always, I'm the type of person that I need to be building towards something all the time. And um, I used to run like endurance races at, pretty, at a pretty high level competitively. And um, I, it's funny because when every, even if I would win a race, it was something I trained for for four months and I get to the place and, I, and I'd win a race, I would always like be happy for like an hour. And after that hour, I would kind of like be like, all right, what's next? And I, what I started to realize is that like, 
everyone's like, why can't you just enjoy it? And it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying it, it's that I enjoyed the process of things more than I enjoyed the actual accomplishment of the thing. Like I enjoyed the training up to the race instead of, so even like now, like I enjoy processes. So I, I think if you enjoy the process, if you, if you engross yourself in the process of things and enjoy the actual process of things, the end result becomes the end result. And you get to the end result. You're like, oh, I need to create a process again to do something bigger or better. So for me, that's what really works for me. Um, and it's not necessarily, listen, I want to build more and I want to make more. And of course that's, that's, you know, building wealth from my family and my, my children is always going to be important to me, but like, it's really more about engrossing myself in whatever process I'm in and, and perfecting that process so I can get to the next process. Which is so true. I mean, you talk about like two people that are riding bikes, like who's going to win is the person that's, that's, you know, the best talent or the person who enjoys riding the bike. Right. And it's like, of course it's going to be the person that enjoys riding the bike, which is I think something that gets missed there yeah. is like you truly enjoy the chase, the hunt, the journey uh, that goes through. Let's talk about identity shifts because obviously at the beginning you were in production, you were a rainmaker, and then all of a sudden you probably transitioned more to a team leader and a business owner. Was that an easy transition for you? Like how did that affect your identity? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was hard. So I got um, – I think it was 25 or 26, um, and I got I got promoted to uh, – senior vice president of a, of a, a vice president of a publicly traded company. And they put me in front of the room in front of like all these people where I was the youngest person in the room. And, um, I screwed that up really bad. Like I didn't know what I was doing up there. So like, you know, I got up there and I, I, you know, my perception of what I was supposed to do and what I was really supposed to do were completely wrong. So I kind of fumbled it for like a while, like, like a year where I was just like, like I wasn't getting the respect of people and I, I didn't really deserve their respect because what I, what, um, substance that I really have. I was young in the business still. I was only in business for three or four years. So what, what I started to realize about that in my transition is that when I started to really kind of like get more self-aware about it, what I started, I did was like, I sat with each individual person that I was supposed to be managing and I, I did their job with them for a day or two at a time to kind of really understand what they were going through and ask them questions about their job. And once I started doing that, like everything seems easy until you do it. Oh, like whatever. Like, but it's until you actually have to get like, like you could, hey, I want to go open a pizzeria today. But if you go talk to a person that owns a pizzeria today, it's like, these are the reasons you don't want to do it, right? So like, I started to kind of engross myself in what these people were doing on a daily basis. And it really made me understand a better way to manage them. Like, and I don't ever want to be a person that's telling you to do something that I didn't do, that I didn't do myself or I wasn't willing to do myself. So I think that was my transition, right? Like no matter what I'm doing at this point, everybody I speak to on a daily basis, it's either something I've done or something I'm willing to do. And if I I don't do that, then I don't think I can lead you in the right direction. So then obviously you can speak to their pain points. You can speak to the things that matter to them. How much did the relationship yeah. building aspect of that matter as far as like, because you obviously got the learning so that you can lead them, but then there's this fact that you're sitting with them building relationship. Yeah. You know, I think, I think you have to find with, as far as relationship building, what I've, I've learned is you got to find value in people that find value in you as well. Like there's got to be a mutual value. Like you have to get something out of it and I have to get something out of it. And if, my value system is completely different than your value system. And it's going to be very hard to see eye to eye. And it only can become frustrating. Like, why isn't this person doing what I'm asking them to do? Or why won't they follow my lead? Well, they don't find value in what I'm saying. So then that's like finding the needle on the haystack, right? Like you may have to go through a lot of people to find the people that, that you have a theme, you have the same values or, or goals. So I, I think that's the process that we all have to go through. And we just have to be patient with it, right? Like you're going to, you're going to meet people, um, and you're going to have to go through some people and some relationships are going to turn out good and some relationships are, just aren't going to work and you're going to part hopefully amicably. But I, I try to find people that we have the same value systems because I think those are the people I can help the most and they can help me the most.
If you can kind of break out value systems, like describe some ways that you might be value aligned with, with people in ways that you may not be. Yeah. So I, I, I think that, um, I'm a, I'm a very consistent person every single day. So I think to be successful with me, unless you're a super talent, um, you're going to have to be consistent. Like every single day, we're going to have to have a consistent relationship. And the best people I have around me, they may not be the smartest people. I'm not the smartest person. They may not be the most talented person, but if I can consistently understand what, what, how they function and what they're doing on a daily basis, I can help make them successful. Like I have a business partner that I've had for like 12 years at this point. And you know, we don't see eye to eye in everything, but we never argue because we're both consistently the same person every single day. So we don't like, he may have a different point of view than I have, but we don't ever argue on that because I mean, I literally can tell you depending on the time of the day where he is right now. Like I can, I know he goes to lunch at 12 o'clock every single day. Like he's a very, very like, but it doesn't have to be that consistent, but that kind of, so that, that is definitely one of my value systems. Um, I, I don't want to necessarily talk about, um, I don't want to like uh, consistently harp on why the mistake was made or why the problems have. I just want to, I want to work on solutions. So like, all right, we get it. This is what happened. How are we fixing it? How are we moving forward? Forget about what happened. How are we moving forward? So I think somebody has got to be that way with me too. And, you know, most importantly, it's got to be somebody who's willing to show up every single day. Um, you know, we all go through things in life, rain, sleet, snow, uh, health issues, all that kind of stuff. I'm never somebody who's going to disappear on you. I'm going to be somebody who consistently shows up every single day. And I have to be understanding that everybody's not that way and people are going to have bad days and I completely get it. But overall, you got to be somebody who I can count on that whatever's going on, if you can't be consistent that day, you're going to communicate that to me very, very clearly and we're going to have an understanding, right? So if, if you can't be present today because, um, you know, either mentally or physically, whatever it is, you are at least going to be a good, a good enough communicator to explain why you can't be. And as long as you can do that, then, then we can, we can really grow together. How many strikes do people get with you? <laughs> I'm not great at that. If I'm being, on, I'm, not, I'm being honest with you. Um, I want to give people second chances. I think, uh, you know, the more people I've interacted with over my life at this point now, I kind of understand where people are going to be, who they are and who they are. But I definitely, it's something I've gotten a lot better at the last couple of years to have a concentrate on it. I've been bad about cutting people off when, when in my brain, I know I should. And I think that's a really important thing. It doesn't have to be a negative thing for you or that person. It just has to be something that when you communicate clearly, like, Hey, this, this isn't good for you. It's not good for me. I think we should just, you have to be willing to cut it off. Right. And I think we all, uh, sometimes have a problem with that. And I think that if I've had a deficiency over the years, it's been that like not cutting off things quick enough, but I'm, it's something I'm, I'm constantly working on every single day to cut it off that like, listen, if you feel it in your bones that it's just not working and somebody's showing you who they are every single day that it doesn't meet your values, then it's not going it, to, there's a good chance it's not going to change. We, we got to stop trying to change people and just kind of try to find somebody, something new that, that fits better w w with us. Yeah. Cause a lot of times we don't do that because it just feels like it's going to be too much work or too hard to go find the next person. Not, not necessarily because we know it's best. Yep. Yeah. My old sales manager, I love, I mean, he basically called it releasing people back to the wild, releasing them to their best opportunity. <laughs> so it's great. <laughs> what do you see now? I mean, you talked earlier about the challenges that this is kind of a, a uncharted market territory with like high interest rates, high, you know, uh, basically it's like low inventory, low demand, which is not a common market situation. What specifically are you guys doing to beat this market? Yeah. Um, some of it's like very, very basic, simple. It's like, you're going to have to work three times as hard to do anywhere near the same amount of business. But I think, um, you have to be honest with people and you have to educate people on what's going on. Yes. Interest rates are higher. And yes, there's not a lot of houses there and they can be frustrating, but if interest rates come, I think 
you know, it's this is hard for me to say, but I think the worst thing that may happen right now is interest rates dropping a lot right now because I think the demand that would that would create because interest rates went down would, would crush most people. So, you know, I think that you have to be able to get out there. And I tell people all the time, especially when buying real estate, whether it's the first property or the hundredth property, um, does the payment you're going to have on that investment meet your business, meet your strategy or meet your, your finances or um, your debt expectation for the month? Does that meet it? If it meets it, then buy, right? And then, you know, if rates drop, then great. Then you put yourself in a better finance position. But look at every single investment. Like, um, is this something I have an exit strategy on? Is this something I can, I can withstand long-term? Is this something I can afford? If you can do that, then it's always the right time to buy, right? And um, as far as looking for properties in low inventory, we're going to have to, we have to compromise, right? We're always going to have to compromise. Like real estate's always a compromise. How big of a compromise are you willing to make? And that compromise may be personal. That Am I willing to get my hair done less? Am I willing to go out to dinner less? Am I willing to do this to sacrifice to buy a property? You're going to, to compromise and sacrifice to buy real estate. In a market like this, the compromise and sacrifice may be bigger, but I've made really bad mistakes with real estate. Like, like, like bought the wrong property, like, like did the wrong thing. And what I found with them is that real estate can... If you were willing to stay in real estate long term, it fixes all your mistakes eventually. Like eventually, that mistake can become something profitable as long as you're willing to hang in there. And it's one of the only things I think you can invest in that does that. So um, it's always the right time to buy if if it meets your needs and it meets your your financial needs and your strategy and everything else. Yeah, and and, and the long, the infinite game solves all the problems. Um, yep, hundred percent. What are some things that you've accumulated knowledge or wisdom wise that you don't feel like it's being talked enough out there in the world? Yeah, I, you know, I, th I think that um, sometimes the people that, that should be speaking aren't speaking and the people that don't have enough experience are the loudest people in the room, right? And I think, you know, right now, you know, social media is, is got so many positive things, if, if I'm being honest with you. You can educate yourself quickly, you learn so quickly, but I think it's also put this image out there that, that you could you could get to the top very very quickly, and I've never found that you can have ultimate success in anything fast. I really don't feel like you can. Like long term success is something that's going to be built over the long term, and I think that that should be talked about more. Like, hey, there's there's a lot of um, positive things in being consistently on task every single day, and if something doesn't work, it doesn't mean you quit it and move to the next thing. Like, th there's a lot of there's a lot of good things that come through fighting through. Um, failure and downtime and all that stuff. And I don't think that people want to do that, but I, I can equate, I'm a big sports person. I can equate this to sports, right? If you look at professional sports today, and I'll use basketball for an example, the guy, everybody's highly skilled at this point. It's not like it used to be like some guys were highly skilled and super talented. And it's not enough just to be highly skilled at this point. You have to be highly skilled and you have to be a dog, right? You have to want to work on your craft every single day. And that is the same thing in real estate, the same thing in professional world. It's not enough to just be smart and talented and you have to want be willing to work on it every single day if you're going to get real success. And I think people have to understand that that's always going to be the case. I don't care how much AI comes in, how much technology comes in. I don't. That stuff's going to make our jobs easier, but you're still going to have to be willing to stay on task for long periods of time to find success. Yeah. And, and you could see it in yourself, you know, and this also goes back to wins enough enough, right? I mean, you've basically dedicated your life to a life of excellence and growth and there's really no expiration date on that. No, no. You know, I somebody said something to me one time, and it really stuck with me. Um, we're all the same age, and what he meant by that when he said that to me was, 
we know we don't have, nobody knows where our expiration date is, right? Like, so you could be 20 and I could be 40, but like, I may have more time on this earth left than you do. So we're all really the same age. So it's what we're kind of doing with our time every single day. So I don't ever see myself stopping. I don't ever see myself necessarily completely retiring. Like, cause it's, cause this is what fuels me every single day. This is life, right? Like I like to get up and work on this stuff every single day. And no, and by the way, nobody loves their job every single day. Like I, I have friends that are NFL players that, um, hate their jobs. Like they hate their jobs, right? Like that's the ultimate goal. But they've been doing it for 15 years. They don't want to do it anymore. Like professional athletes. So like nobody loves their job every single day, but we have to find passion and value in what we're doing on a daily basis. And I think if you do that, like there is no expiration date on it. What's your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? Um, th that's a really, really good question. I think my vision right now is that, um, I'm going to keep working right now uh, very, very hard, and I'm going to keep educating myself very, very much to try to figure out what's the right method until I get to that tipping point where the market turns for me or for, where the market turns in general. Like, we get to a point where I get some positive upward momentum. You know, I'm in the business for over 20 years at this point now. I got into this since 2001. 2020 and 2021 were two of the best years I've ever had, right? And they're years that I couldn't have predicted. But if I wasn't working every single day in my craft, I would have never gotten there. 2005 and 2006 are two of the best years I've ever had in this business. But I didn't know where those years were going to happen again. They kind of happened again in 2020 and 2021 in a different way. It's going to happen again. It's never going to – it's going to be as good as it was again, and it's going to be as bad as it was again, and it's good, those things are going to happen again. So I think I'm just going to keep working every single day to improve myself and educate myself on – what today looks like. And, um, you know, technology is changing things drastically for us right now. Right. So it's educating myself on that, how to utilize that to kind of make myself a better person. But like for right now, I think for the next 12 to 18 months, um, how do I use the AI, the technology, all the tools that are being introduced right now to kind of improve my business on a daily basis? Cause I think that's going to be very, very important. And, and I think if we don't lean into the stuff that that's going, if we try to fight progress, we will, ultimately lose. So I think I'm trying to lean into what the things that are, are, are super progress, uh, you know, being progressive at this point. And um, that's what I'm going to look at right now uh, as the market turns. Ralph, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your life and your business. Guys, for those who are out there listening, go get his book, The Growth Trap. Learn from somebody who's created over a billion dollars a year in sales, $40 million of real estate portfolio. It's pretty wild. Write down something you learned from today. Share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable because freedom's acquired one action at a time. If you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 